This is Novel Marketing. I'm James L. Rupart, and as always, the co-pilot seat is being filled by Thomas Umstead Jr., author, speaker, serial entrepreneur, website design wizard, owner of Author Media, and I would add in unofficial historical scholar. And now, just a few days old, folks, a married man. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. <laughs> And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to turn your novel or nonfiction book into an audiobook. Yes. So we just talked about in the last episode how important it is for your book to be an audiobook. It puts you in front of more people. It puts you in front of more influential people. It helps you make more money. And then at the end, we're like, and at some point in the future, we'll tell you how to do it. Well, the future is here. It's very it is exciting. now. <laughs> We've and arrived. for the record, I'm not actually married while we're recording this. So uh, we're, I'm, while you listen to this, I'm hoping to be somewhere in an undisclosed location, not connected to cell phones <laughs> or internet right. or, That's or right. anything. Um, so anyway, the number one easiest way to get your book turned into an audiobook is to put it in your contract. We know a lot of you who are listen are traditionally published, and if you can contractually obligate your publisher to put your to make your book into an audiobook, guess what? You will get an audiobook, and there's nothing more you have to do. <laughs> it's the easiest thing, except for some reason, it's really hard, and here is why. Book publishers are gamblers. <laughs> they expect most of the books to fail, and if they uh, and they're hoping that some of them will be surprise hits. There is a probably four out of five chance that they expect your book to fail, and if you are one of those books they expect to fail, they are not going to want to spend the money on an audiobook because they're going to see that as wasted money. They don't think they're going to be able to get that money back because they're expecting your book to fail. So this is actually an interesting way to find out if your publisher really believes in your book. So they're always going to pretend to believe in your book while they try to get you to sign their contract. But then if you're like, so can you guarantee that you're going to make this into an audiobook? Like, oh, well, we'll, you know, maybe we'll have to look at our calendar, blah, blah, blah. And all they'll put a whole bunch of words, none of which are them committing to make an audiobook. And here's the most tragic part. You're giving them sole exclusive rights to make an audiobook, which means if they don't make it, you cannot have an audiobook. I have a friend who is a traditionally published author, and her publisher doesn't want to pay for the audiobook, but they also don't want her to make the audiobook because they're afraid that if she makes it, it won't be a good enough quality and will pull down the brand of the publishing company. And so she is in this terrible limbo where she can neither make an audiobook nor can she get an audiobook. She's just frustrated seeing all of the books that uh, copies her book could be selling that she is not selling. It is it is very sad. So if you were traditionally published, talk this over with your agent. Make sure you know exactly what you're giving up right-wise. One of the things I did in my last contract, and I actually voice all my own audiobooks, so it's a, it's a different type of scenario. But in this last contract, it was if you don't decide to produce an audiobook, because um, out of my nine books, eight have been audiobooks, one is not. And... Uh, we we came to agreement, my publisher and I, and it was a very uh, amiable discussion. If you do not produce, if we do not end up doing an audio book within, I think it's six months of the publication date, then the rights revert back to me and I have the choice to do that. And so that's that's a good compromise. So those of you who are traditionally published, just make sure you go over this, understand what you're getting or not getting audio rights wise, and then work out something that works for both you and your publisher. 
oh, Jim, you're such a nice guy. You should. I'm like, stick it to those publishing companies. <laughs> you're going to take most of your money. The least they can do is make an audio book. Like, oh, well, there's a way you can have your All case. right, no so compromise. Stick it to the stick man. It to stick it to them. <laughs> protest, yeah. protest. Anyway, so we know we don't want to unnecessarily alienate either our independently published authors or mm-hmm. our traditionally published authors. But we're going to assume for the rest of this episode that you either got the rights to make the audiobook from your publisher or you are pub- you are your own publisher and you gave yourself permission to make yes. yourself a success. And your success is not dependent on the actions or inactions of others. And so basically, there are two paths before you. You can make it yourself and you can hire somebody else to make it for you. So, Jim, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of doing it yourself? Well, one of the huge, and by when Thomas and I say do it yourself, we mean you are the actual voice talent for the book where you are recording um, the whole thing. You're editing it yourself. One of the huge advantages, there's a number of them, but one of the huge advantages is it's your book. And so you know how it sounds. When I have friends go, oh my gosh, I didn't expect my character to sound like this, or I didn't, oh my gosh, suddenly somebody is taking your book and they've put their nuance on it instead of your nuance. They've put their pacing on it, even though in your head you're going, that's not the pacing for the book. It should have been louder here. It should have been softer here. should have been faster here. It should have been slower here. Because you have to remember, an audiobook is not just the words. It is also the way the words sound. And so an audiobook is a performance. It is like um, Thomas said last episode, it's like an actor getting up on stage and performing this one act play and they're using your words to do it. So one of the big advantages is, is you know how it's going to, you know, you know how it should sound. And so you can make it sound that way. What's another advantage, Thomas? Uh, you know, your pacing and you know, your emphasis uh, and particularly for nonfiction books this can be really important. And I find that uh, authors are much more likely to read a nonfiction book than they are to read a fiction book. You have a lot more nonfiction books read by the author. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. One is that nonfiction books, I think it's more important how uh, it's read in the sense of em- uh, emphasis and interpretation. And secondly, doing voices and keeping characters straight is really hard. And most authors cannot do it. And so they can't read their book in any way, their novel in any way that people want to hear. Um, But uh, the advantage, another advantage of doing it yourself is that it can be cheaper. It's not necessarily cheaper because of, you know, equipment that you might have to buy. Um, And renting a studio, sometimes actually having somebody else do it could be cheaper. Uh, But if you already have a recording studio, if you already have a podcast, let's say, so you have a lot of equipment already, recording the audiobook could be very inexpensive. In that way, you're able to save some money and you have more control over the final product. And especially if you think you're going to do it long term, if you really love it, or you have a performing background, you have, say, a, a background in radio or TV or theater or that kind of thing, and acting, it, it you probably can pull it off. But let's just be really realistic here that most people do not have that background. Most people cannot pull it off. And you, if you do an audiobook, it's probably not going to sound great. It's, it's taken you a long time to become proficient enough to write a nonfiction book or a fiction book. Same thing with becoming a voice actor. It takes a lot of time to do it. Now, if you are, for those of you who do have a background in theater, do have a background in voice, the price to get in is not what it used to be. I mean, literally for 500 bucks, you can get yourself a pretty decent setup with a mic, a mixer, 
sound booth. If you want to uh, do a little do-it-yourself, you can create that on your own. It's really not that expensive. $500, $600 you can be set up, plus your, your editing equipment. But again, I want to emphasize that this is a performance, and most people don't have the skill to pull that off. That's right. When authors typically read their books themselves, if it's done by the uh, publishing company, there's a audio engineer in the room and it's often a, also a producer. And if you listen to an audiobook, they'll often sometimes have credits at the end and, and they're like additional credits just for the audiobook. And there's a whole team that makes it sound good. And what some people do is they're able to be that whole team themselves. And some authors are able to do that. Other authors will hire a studio and they'll go into the yeah. studio and all they do is read the book and they get coached along the way. And so a lot of it just depends on your technical proficiency. So let's say, um, and if you would like, let us know if y'all want us to do an episode specifically on how to do it yourself, and like what equipment to buy. We're actually thinking about doing an episode on podcasting, on how to have a podcast and what equipment to buy there as well. So if that's something interesting to you, shoot us an email. We throw out a lot of topic ideas and sometimes we get zero emails on them and we don't do them. And sometimes we get lots of emails. So if you want to hear this, you need to reach out to us. Don't assume somebody else will reach out. Novelmarketing.com. Okay. So Jim, let's talk about hiring a pro. And for full disclosure, Disclosure, do you happen to know anyone that does podcasts prof- or audiobooks professionally who's hireable as a narrator? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I do. Someone that's very close to me. Um, yes, I, I do audiobooks. And it's something I've done for years for my own books, but I've actually been doing it recently for other people. So if you are interested in me voicing your audiobook, I would love to talk to you about it. You can just email me james at jameslrubart.com and I can give you a price sheet and explain to you how it works and all that. So thank you for mentioning that, Thomas. Yes. Yes, I do do that. Give you a little plug there. So (laughs) the number one place for finding audiobook readers, if you have a budget of less than $10,000, is this website called ACX. And it's the Audiobook Exchange. I think it's what it's called. It's acx.com. It's owned by Audible. And they have two models where you can engage with narrators. One is where you don't pay them anything, and they get 50% of the royalties of the sales of just the audiobook. So if you're independently published, you continue getting all of the money for the ebook and the print book, and you share the audiobook 50-50 with the narrator. The other option is where you pay them cash up front, and typically it's between, what, 3000 5000 somewhere around there? Yeah, and- it's, a, it's a negotiable figure. That's the thing where you are negotiating with this talent, um, and obviously the better ones are going to be a little more expensive, the ones that are just breaking in a little less expensive, but you can negotiate that fee. But yes, Thomas, for... Uh, for rough numbers, it's probably going to be somewhere between $2,000 and $3,000 to do that. Okay. And um, they will audition. So uh, whether they're doing it for free or you're paying them up front, they audition. And if you pay them up front, you get 100% of the royalties uh, of the audiobook. So it's kind of up to you. If you're cash poor, you may want to do the rev share. If you're cash rich and you're optimistic about the book, it may make you more money in the future and give you more options because some uh, narrators will only do the uh, fixed pricing um, on ACX. But there's a lot, you'd be surprised how many authors, or sorry, how many narrators will apply to read your book. It's not like you have one or two. Often you'll have quite a few reaching out uh, to do your book. And it can be very encouraging. And they streamline the whole process on the website. They're not sponsoring the show. I mean, Jim, are you on ACX or you just do? uh, Yeah, I am on ACX, yeah. Okay. So I guess they sort of are doing the show because Jim's on the ACX. But uh, I was so excited when I saw this as an audiobook 
listener because I'm like, finally, there's <laughs> something to make it easy for people to get, especially independent authors, to get their books turned into audiobooks on acx.com. Another advantage to ACX and why I think it's a great model for a lot of people is they handle all the details. For example, I just got done doing a romantic suspense novel and uploaded it to ACX. ACX takes care of the money. They will send me money when the royalty split. In this case, uh, I got a stipend and a royalty split, and we'll talk about a stipend in a moment. But they handle all of it. They handle the money. They handle the distribution of the money. They handle if there's uh, any problem between me and the author. They are the go-between. They also handle quality control. When I uploaded this book, they said, okay, thanks for uploading it. We'll get back to you in 14 days and tell you if your audio quality is good enough. Well, you're protected then. There, there are advantages to working directly with a narrator, directly with the voice talent. The advantage is you keep all the money, whereas ACX will take 60% of the money, and then you split that remaining 40% if it's a royalty share. So you're going, wow, that is a lot of money out of hand. The advantage is ACX, like I said, has quality control for you. The other thing ACX has is Amazon owns Audible, Audible, Audible owns ACX. What? No, I guess I should just say Amazon owns everything. Um, <laughs> like this Russian doll. The yeah, the doll. Russian doll. The Russian doll. <laughs> But um, but that is a huge advantage. I, I just did a book for Ted Decker, um, and Ted has his own distribution channels. He doesn't need the distribution because Ted has become so successful. He can email out, hey, I got this audio book out, and a lot of people will hear about it. Unfortunately, most of us don't have that advantage. So one of the other advantages with ACX is that they have the distribution channels through Amazon, through Audible that you probably don't have. So yes, 60% is a lot to give up, but one huge advantage is they can actually get it out to people who will be listening. That's right. I'd forgotten that ACX takes a cut. So you're not actually getting 100%, you're getting 60%, but it's 60% of the book price. Of the retail price. Well, so it's, if it's yes. a ten dollar book, you get six dollars. Yeah, it's it's it's. I believe Thomas. I think it's ACX takes sixty percent, so you get forty percent. So you're splitting that forty between you and the okay, so, and so the if voice. It's talent. a ten dollar book. You're getting four dollars, and if you do the split with the author, you're getting two dollars. Yeah, okay. yeah. So and and books typically are sold for between ten and twenty dollars on Audible. That's another actual benefit of audiobooks is that the people are willing to pay a little bit more for an audiobook than they are for an ebook. So somebody who may not pay more than five dollars for an ebook will pay ten dollars or fifteen dollars for an audiobook. So even though you're getting a smaller percentage, you're getting a smaller percentage of a much bigger piece of fruit. So right, forty percent of a watermelon instead of hundred percent of an orange. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it, it can kind of come out in the wash there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of ACX simply because you can have a lot of peop, different people try out. And, and some voice is going to work good for one book. It's not so much for another book. So you get a chance to, to try out. The other thing, if you choose to go the ACX way and you choose to find, or actually, even if you just hire an independent narrator, is look for what they can do for you above and beyond just reading your book. Let me tell you what I mean. Thomas says, Jim, there are some narrators where if I narr- if I know they're narrating a book, I don't even look at the title of the book. I'm just going to buy the book because I love this narrator. I'm In a other huge words- fan of Michael Kramer, by the way. Any book that he does, I seriously consider. When I'm looking for a new audiobook, sometimes I'll li- look... <laughs> 
at the Michael Kramer books because he tends to read really intense science fiction and other kinds of books that I and I just love his voice. He can make even a boring scent book sound amazing. Yeah. So so look for that. One of the one of the advantages that I have is I'm not only narrating, but I, I have a little bit of a, a prominence, especially in the inspirational market. And so one of the things I'm doing in my packages is not only will I read your book, but I will also promote it on my various platforms. And on top of that, I help people with their back cover copy as part of the package. So that's my, what Thomas would call my unfair advantage when I'm, I'm doing audiobooks. But there's other narrators that have unfair advantages as well, just like this guy, Michael, who Thomas just mentioned that oh my gosh, I'm going to seriously consider buying this book simply because it's him voicing it. And that's one of the things. So Audible allows you to click on a narrator's name and you can see the other books that are done by that narrator. And so one thing to look for as you're picking out narrators is see if you can find a narrator who's done other books in your genre and and you'll get more crossover. So if, you know, Michael Kramer has read a lot of books and he does some nonfiction and some of its topics I'm not interested in. So I don't actually read every book that he does. But of the fantasy, I think I have read every book he's narrated or listened to every book he's narrated. So keep an eye out. Uh, I found that narrators tend to consolidate in a certain genre. Not that they'll do it exclusively, but they'll get known in a genre. And in within that community, they will have fans. And uh, another series that I listened to, The Dresden Files, brought in a different narrator for like book 13 or 14. So they'd done the first 13 books with one narrator. And he, he, he was an actor. I think he was in the Buffy the Vampire Hunter TV show or something. And um, there was a revolt on the internet. And Audible <laughs> ended up paying for I don't know the details financially, but I will say that oh, there was I a second it. edition of that book recorded with the old guy. Really? And oh, my gosh. Out an it. apology letter. And I now have two copies of this book, one by <laughs> the replacement narrator and one by the new narrator. And you know what? I listened to both because I'm that big of a fan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so narrators really can have a following. And so sometimes when you're paying for a narrator, you're paying uh, for that following. But again, you want to keep in mind your budget. If you're on a tiny budget, it's better to have a cheaper narrator who sounds good and at least be existing in uh, the audiobook world. And, you know, maybe help out another narrator. If you find somebody who's got a really big talent, as they grow in their following, they'll be boosting your books as one of their earlier books. And so um, you're kind of gaining an ally, so to speak, for the promotion of your book, especially if it's a revenue share. That narrator wants you to be successful just as much as you do because you're splitting uh, that money, although you're not right. splitting the money of the additional eBooks you sell and additional paper books you sell. Yeah, that 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 you're not. But uh, since Thomas brought that up, let's just touch on that uh, real quickly. There's two ways to play. One way you pay just a flat fee through ACX to the narrator, and you're done. You never pay them again, and you collect all the royalties. The other way is you can pay nothing, and then you share um, the royalty. F- of the audiobook forever and ever. So it's one of those gambling things. Do I think my book is going to be a huge success? Not sure. I want to keep paying 20% of this to my friend for the next <laughs> into perpetuity. Um, on the other hand, if you don't have a lot of cash up front, this is a great way to get into it. One more nuance about ACX. Sometimes they will do a stipend. If a book has sold well enough on Amazon, they will actually give what's called a stipend to help seed the book. For example, I did a book where I got a stipend. I will get $100 per finished hour for this book, no matter what happens. From the book, Amazon. Amazon's From Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, so not from the they're author. They're funding the production. Yep. This is new to me. This is very exciting. I'm 
there's a lot of books I wish they would do stipends. <laughs> <laughs> so I so I agreed to do this book because it's like okay if 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 it's a total failure I still know I'm probably getting nine hundred to a thousand dollars through this book so I'm going to dive in and then take the chance because it takes a long time to do an audiobook um, to do it right and so I thought you bet I'll take the chance and and I hope I'll I'll make it up in the royalty so I get the the thousand dollar stipend and then I get the the royalty sharing. So there is that opportunity with your book as well, where you might find out, oh my gosh, they're willing to give $700 toward production. All right. This episode has been brought to you by the Novel Marketing Five-Year Plan to Becoming a Best-Selling Author. If you've listened to the show at all, you've heard us talk about it, where we walk you through step-by-step how to become an overnight success after only five years of hard work. (laughs) So you can find out more about that at novelmarketing.com. And if you'd like to hear your name and book mentioned on the Novel Marketing Podcast, all you got to do is leave us a review with your name, the name of your book in the title. And it doesn't even have to be positive, does it, Thomas? Just a review. Any kind of review. Please let us know how we're doing. That's right. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.